And welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is November the 6th, 2014. We have a, a little bit different of a show for you this week. Uh, we gave the guys, uh, the rest of the ABR crew, uh, the week off so that we could bring you a special presentation of the Minnesota Fats storytelling sessions. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, in the news today, the uh, Make It Happen, the AccuStats Make It Happen 8-Ball Invitational started. Uh, there's going to be Shane Van Boning, Daryl Appleton, Francisco Bustamante, Alex Pagalayan, Earl Strickland, and Mika Eminen. Uh, a great uh, group of guys as far as quality of play is concerned. Uh, the matches started this afternoon, so if you're interested in, in, in checking that out, uh, certainly want to go over to AccuStats.com and uh, get yourself hooked up with the pay-per-view. And let's see, what else is going on? Well, it's Pool Awareness Week, in case you were not aware, uh, which means that you should try to find a friend or a family member and uh, introduce them to pool, or at least get them to spend a little time playing with you, you know? Support your local rooms. Um, heck, you know, you guys could all gather around and watch the uh, Make It Happen matches, you know? Support the industry. And uh, do what you can, you know, to generate some interest and some income because I think that uh, a lot of people could use the help. So, yeah, without any further ado, um, we delved deep into the vault of the Chicago Billiard Museum and pulled out um, a, a little surprise. Uh, some of you might not know this, that uh, Minnesota Fats actually produced an album, like a record album of uh, some of his stories, and we've located a master tape of uh, the storytelling, so we thought that we would uh, share a little bit a, bit, a little bit of that with you, so uh, stick around and uh, be prepared to be entertained. We'll be right back after this. You know, it happened one time, this is the funniest story in the world. I'm playing a kid who's one of the greatest players in the world. So you follow a kid, and he's one of the greatest players in the world, and I know all you got to do is walk in, and they say, you want to play some 20-30 a game. When a guy says 20-30 a game, that means he can play. And that means you can play, too, or you, uh, otherwise you're an imbecile. You understand? You're either an imbecile or can play. So I walked in the giant, you know, and he said, you want to play a few 20-30 a game? I said, yeah, I'll play a few 20-30 a game. So there was a little salesman who was a fink out of this world, and he's trying to tell him who I am. In the worst way, and he's scooting up to him, and every time he scooted, the guy had to move this way or this way, and then he's trying, don't you know who you're playing, Jesus? Nobody on earth ever beats him or nothing. You know, he's trying to tell him, see? And finally, I'm trying to block him. I don't go to the bathroom for hours on end. I'm beating the kid out of here, and the kid got some bookmaker, and the guy owns a bar across the street that's backing him, you know? So I was, well, I'm going to blow my customer like, you know what I mean? So to make a long story short, Finally, the guy got to him, and he says, don't you know who you're playing? He says, that's fast. Beat anybody living. He says, I don't give a goddamn who he is. He says, I'm stuck, ain't I? (laughs) 
I played a guy, State Street Willie. This is about 50 years ago, in the early 30s. State Street Willie. You know why? State Street is the, is the hash part of town. In the lower State Street, see, like Van Buren and State, and that is the skid row, mm -hmm. where the Greek pool rooms are, and where the Creek Giants are, and the girly shows, and the burlesque show. That's State Street, okay. Now, this guy was a champion around there, and so they named him State Street Willie's top-notch player, see? So he came up to this other giant on the second floor, see? And he played me, and a shot came up, and I'm playing him straight pool for $15,000, and he's bringing everybody, all the guys come out of their shoes and everything. This is unbelievable. This is in the Depression in the 30s. Guys come out of their shoes and socks, had money adhesive taped to the bottom of their feet and everything else, you know. So I broke everybody on this one game, and so the shot came up, and I had no shot at all, so I played a ball, banked it off of one cushion into the stack, and it kissed off the stack into the corner. I says, three ball. And I says, in the corner. They didn't even know what the hell I was going to do, you see. And I split the pocket with it. He broad jumped out the window. And the cop come up and says, who threw him out the window? So he went out on his own accord. <laughs> yeah. You know what happened in, in, I was playing at the jockey club, played twice. Hundred to get in the door, you can't get in. So listen to this. So you can watch Moscone for a match. You give him a burnt match, you can get in to see Moscone for half a dollar. <laughs> yeah, so... So this is funny. See? So there's a big fat kid and his father was a gangster. And Tony's the kid, a big fat kid, yeah. you know. And I never seen the kid, but I knew his mother. She was a waitress in the, in the gangster days around Southern Illinois. Yeah. And I used to know her in the Giants when all the hoodlums was running around with the Thompson subs and everything, see? So listen to this. So the kid come to me and says, you know, I can't go for no C-note, fatty. He says, you know, I'm Carl Sprague's boy. You know, Dad, Dad told me that no matter what you do, just stand on my head and everything falls out. You gotta go, because you don't lose. Because that's exactly right. He says, but how am I gonna get in for a hundred? I said, you just walk with me, you get in, it won't cost you a match. I went to, you know, they charging everybody a hundred to get in. So I said, these kids are in. So I sat him up in the bleachers, see? Like, a, like there, and I'm playing down here. So now I'm playing a guy for a hundred thousand, and the game ball, I got right in the pocket. All I got to do is make it. There's no way on the Chinaman can make it. <laughs> so I banked it, look, this way. Four cushion around in there. And I wanted to have some fun anyhow. You know, I, I, I do that to <laughs> give one of them a heart attack. <laughs> see? So to make a long story short, see, this kid fainted and fell right on the floor. <laughs> That's right. And he said, oh, my God. He says, my dad told me no matter what you do, bet all I got on you is I bet my last 200 and something, and you banked it four cushions straight in. As it went, didn't it? He said, yeah, but my God, who could stand that? Well, you're familiar with Phoenix? Mountain Shadows and a Camelback, and I played all them big giants. So this is the funniest thing you ever heard. If you live to be a million, you never hear nothing like this. So I'm in there and I'm hitting some balls and I'm talking and everything and all of a sudden I see, see, I see everything's going on. And all of a sudden I see nothing but sheriffs and sheriffs and police and sheriffs. So I don't say nothing, you know, I don't know what's going on, don't care, see. So a kid come over to me and says, oh my God, he says, there's two or three hitmen in the joint, he says, and the whole town is surrounded, the whole hotel is surrounded. 
He says, they're from Vegas. See? So while he's telling me this, another guy comes over, and he says, uh, Fatty, he says, them hitmen is on vacation, they ain't working. <laughs> Exactly like I was telling him. It's like I'm telling him. It's just, they're all on vacation. They heard you. They was coming down. It was in Tucson. They heard you was up here for a few days, and they wanted to watch you hit shoot pool. You know, I didn't even know him or nothing. You know. So he says, so uh, you know. So I went over and I told the chief of police and the sheriffs and everything. I says, these guys is on vacation. They says, are you sure, Fatty? Would take your word. You know, I'm pure in a pulpit room. I got a reputation beyond compare anywhere on earth. Cause I don't do. No I never done nothing in my life. I'm ashamed of and ain't scared of nothing on earth. Never was. So to make a long story short, they all left and everything. Says they're on vacation, ain't it? Stayed with the richest woman in the world, the potato queen. That ain't nothing. I'll tell you one one to give me an island. Laura Alice. She got an island in the in the in the in the got an island in the Bahamas. He says, doll, she come all the way to Houston from Dallas. See, she's left her old man. He says, You want an island? As Devil's Island? She says, No, an island in the Bahamas. She says, I said, what I got to do? She says, what you always do. She says, that's what you got to do. Come with me. That kind of man. Chairman New Dillinger? New Dillinger. I was there when he got hit. I didn't only know him. I was there. Not no further than from here to that wall when he got hit, when they dropped him. See what happened? I see him every day. This is unbelievable. But I grabbed on Lincoln Avenue, and I was seeing every Chicago street, they got an alley. You hear? And the streets is much longer than streets in New York and everything. And so when she come out, when she come out, the lady in red was a woman had a boarding house on the north side. I lived in Wilson and Sheridan at the Sheridan Plaza Hotel and them that it was like brand new when that happened. That's in the 34. You understand? So Dillinger was around. I see him every day with black glasses. I used to say to myself, well, these law must be something else. This guy's giving himself away and can't get grabbed. Yeah, I knew him all his life, see? These were dark glasses walking around looking in stores and everything. There's the vice squad here, the vice squad. It's unbelievable. But So to make a long story short, I'm playing Willie Schramm, Tree Cushion Billy, one of the greatest players in the world, and this here, right on the corner of that alley where he dropped was a, was a bar, but it was on a half a level, not a level down. And they dropped him in his windows. It's no bigger than that there. And that's when he dropped. And when he dropped, the suckers was taking paper and napkins and dipping his blood for souvenirs. I knew, what's his name? For years and years and years. Never did get hit. Never got killed. Hey. Who got hit? Supposed to got hit in the movies and everything. Tell him who. The two brothers come to New York. They was hustling cards and dice. The two brothers, Jesse James. Dad, uh, now you got it. Now Jesse, got it. And, Jesse and his brother, Frank, Frank James, and them yeah. both. Now when was this? This was in the twenties. They must have been old men. They was no. They wasn't old men. They was fifty, sixty years old. Yeah. They never got right. nailed. So I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, Jesse James went to New Orleans and stayed around New Orleans. And he had some trouble in New Orleans, and he come to Norfolk and forty. Two, three, or four, and I was in Norfolk. That was a hot and, town. And, and he was talking to me and everything, and told me that he had a deal to go back to Missouri, which is like 80 miles from St. Louis, where 
that used to be the Jesse James Cavan and everything, you know. And so what do you think happened? I'm in Duke Coin, Illinois, where the state fairgrounds and some people owns a little fruit stand where I used to buy watermelons. The only way I buy a watermelon, I got to slice it in half. And then if I like it, I take it and pay them double or triple. And if it ain't no good, I don't want it. Give it to somebody else. I don't want to take no watermelon home. It ain't no good. It's got to be out of this world. So to make a long story short, these people came back from the Merrimack Caverns. That's where it is. And he was sitting there, and he was autographing postcards. Jesse James hideout. And he was now, he weighed like 300 pounds. Unbelievable. He was 102 or 8 or something years old. And that was in 40. He was 102. I knew him all his life. Knew him, like, not all his life, but ever since he was on the land. Anytime I ever take my wife to New York or anything, I take a different route because everywhere I go, I might play somebody else. I might play some cards here. I might have a pistol shoot out here, you know, with the who's the best shot. Or I might play pool. I might play billiards. Or I might do something else, see? So to make a long story short, we left home and we went to Louisville. Now I'm going to go from Louisville to Lexington, you understand? And into West Virginia and then over to the coast and then go back up to New York. You understand? And I, I make some territory that I, people told me about or I haven't been in a long time. You know, I might even go through Roanoke in West Virginia. See? So to make a long story short, my wife is driving. So I see three people in a field and one is an old woman. I got eyes like an eagle, you know, with a hood on her. And the other two is real young people and they got no teeth, brutal sharecroppers, you know, see? And so I told my wife to stop the car and back up to that fence there. So she stopped the car, and here comes Ma Hatfield. I ain't seen her in years. So she says, hello, Fatty, how are you? How'd you know it was me? I said, I didn't know it was you until now I know it's you. I says, I stopped here to give them people a little money. I see them people in brutal shape. She says, yeah, they're just working and ain't got nothing at all. And I'm going to give them like a $20 note apiece, see? And so I told her to call them over. When they come over, then I'm going to give her like a hundred dollars. And she had a tobacco pouch full of fifties and hundreds right here. She says, Fatty, you know you can't give me nothing. I was on my own all my life. Always had nothing but money. She had nothing but money. That's exactly right. Did so, you know Capone? I knew Capone all his life. Not only knew him, I knew Capone, Nitty, and Greasy Thumb Goose. Diligent, Van Meter, Carpus, Pretty this Boy, Floor, you can't ago. name one. I didn't know. And all the rest of them, you know how I knew them? And, and I'm pure in a pulpit room, got no skeletons in the closet at all. You couldn't miss knowing them. Because when you went to a ball game or one of them big billiard matches or a hockey game, that's where they was. And they knew I was a top-notch card player. You know how else I knew them? They owned giants. Every city, they owned giants. St. Louis, New York, all over the world. Now, in Chicago, they owned two giants. One was a gym club and one was Wolfie Cigar Store on Clark Street. And... These giants was horse books and big giants, and at night they play cards after the, all the races is over. A good guy might be there from Nashville, or a high roller might be there from Dallas or something, you know, and then they play cards, and then they use me. See, the guy might play some game that nobody knows nothing about. They can't beat him, see. Suppose he plays low ball or draw. Who the hell in Chicago and take him off? So, see, come over, Nitty, and then this guy wants to play low ball. So I take him off, see. And then I hung in all the different giants. I knew every gangster ever lived. In New York and Lindy's, you see Dutch Schultz, Lucky Luciana. There's no way you can uh, can believe what I'm telling you. There'll be six, eight, or ten of them, and, and 
five or six priests, and then Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and Daryl Zanuck, and Jack Warner, and all would be there, you know, they're all doing their thing, and they're going to the track, and the priest would come over and ask a pony, or he'd ask uh, Lucky Luciana, says, Lucky, who you got in the third race? I said, you know, old horses. The head of the, I, the FBI, Hoover. I used to park my limo right next to his all the time in Washington. I said, that's a deuce on a horse. What movie stars have you played? Played every movie star there is on earth almost. Who's the best player? The, be the best movie star player would be Gleason. Fred Astaire's a player. You hustled Gleason once, didn't you? See, I never was a hustler. See, they got all that jazz backwards. A hustler, everybody on earth is a hustler. Once you ask to play for money, you go in a department store, you hear, here's my wife, a gorgeous creature at this time, not today. You hear? <laughs> I go into the finest shop, you hear? See, I buy the nothing but the finest. Now I take my wife into this fabulous store, you hear? Like Neiman Marcus or Sackowitz, you hear? And they put a rag on her and says, ain't it gorgeous? I says, honey, if you think that's gorgeous, you wear it. <laughs> if you think it's so gorgeous, it looks like a rag. Oh, it's beautiful. I says, it's beautiful. You think you're talking to a ruptured Chinaman or somebody? <laughs> Every limo I ever had, I had suits to match the limos and shoes to match the limo. I was the best dressed man. There's only one man on earth that I would say that could beat me dressing. And it's Lawrence Welk. He's the greatest dresser known. Unbelievable dresser. Ever off-white. With this, but that today I'm a hundred years old. What the hell I care? What? As long as, I, as long as I'm neat and clean. In the olden days, I had to be out of this world. Find the finest tailors in the world. I hustle crabs at George Washington Bridge, top of the bridge where sure. they held the rivets, and the little little joint was like not even as big as this room. And if you back up too much shooting, you go right into the river, <laughs> right off the top of the span. But see, I lived in every neighborhood there is. See, I never went to school in my life, but I was a protection man for all the multis. See, all the multis and rich, their kids all went to public school. And every public school is like every eight, ten blocks away, and it's four blocks square, got four entrances on four different streets, see? Then in the restroom, the girls and the boys' restroom is side by side, but there's a partition between it, you know, and they're big, you know, in school, see? And so these here tushes would hang in them restrooms, and grab a rich kid or something and take his money up, you know. Then I would grab him and drop him and tell him the next time I flush you in that joint down there, you never bother this kid again. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you got no idea. Then a rich mother would come and give me a $10 note and say, you're a good boy. And uh, I was I was protecting people when I was six, seven, eight years old. I hung in saloons all my life. That's all I ever see with free-for-alls. You sit in a saloon and then 900 guys with knives and hatchets and in Chinatown, and there's all fighting and drop kicking everybody and everything, see? The bigger, the bigger a guy is, that's a mortal cinch. You can drop kick him, but See, a tall little guy is hard to drop kick. You kick him in the face. <laughs> I'm the only man in the world who walked through Central Park three o'clock in the morning with money. That must be Minnesota fats. Ain't no son of that dumb. <laughs> Television comes to my house, and they take pictures of my limousines, and they take pictures of the dogs and cats I feed, you know, and all the little 
way with children and everything, you know. One day they come over from ABC came over, and they taped me in the post office, and then in a bar, and then I and then in Kentucky fried chicken. This is like last year, so. <laughs> And then I thought it was all over, and now I'm going to make my rounds and feed some hungry dogs in the north end of town, you know, and everything. They're behind the trees with the cameras, taking pictures of me there. I wouldn't give a nickel for all that shit. I ducked that all my life. I wouldn't give a nickel to be a movie star and all that shit. I could have been a zillionaire. A friend of mine owned New Orleans. <laughs> you familiar with New Orleans? Oh, yeah. Oakley Harris, I'll tell you who. Oakley Harris was the man that used to have a line... Three blocks away. Are you familiar with that? I used to hang in a crescent and canal. Al Hurt and, and Pete Fountain and Fats Domino used to sell papers when I come out of the casinos and out of them giants at night. They'd go ask them to tell you. Al Hurt introduced me in Reno and in Vegas. He's when he plays, it's like magic. I drove Duesenberg since I'm 10 years old. And I'd drive after I played pods for four, five, six days and nights. Then I'd get out and sometimes it'd be like two, three in the morning. Then I'm looking for the tomatoes. So, <laughs> I go, and then I go down to French Quarter. See, this is the funniest story I ever heard. So one day I played like five, six days a night. I never was tired of nothing. I'm getting tired now. I think I'm getting old. <laughs> so I'm driving down to French Quarter, you know. And as I'm driving down, there's a bar on the corner. I hear the music and everything, and I'm driving slow. And here comes the most gorgeous creature ever. She broad jumped. See, I had a Duesenberg touring car. She broad jumped right in. I said, where are you going, sweetie? She said, I'm going with you. She said, you got money. I said, that's exactly right. I'm tired of these bums. I just picked up the tabs for two or three bums in there a few minutes ago. She said, I know I don't have to. I said, you don't have to do nothing. If you know the magic words, you'll be driving this Duesenberg tomorrow. Every star in Hollywood was on my show, Celebrity Billiards. Had the highest rating any show on earth. The highest rating the second week in New York was on the air, was over everything on earth. So to make a long story short, Shaja was supposed to be on the set like four hours ago. She's in Mexico dusting off her fifth husband. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going crazy and hollering how many hundreds of thousands it costs to hold up production and everything. They always holler that in the studio, you know. And so finally, I says, don't worry no more, boys. Jaja's here. He says, where? Four blocks away. I could smell her. See, and I says, she's here. How do you know? I says, I just smelled Jaja hit the door. She'll be here in a little while. Oh, they was tickled that. And here she come, and boy, she really was unbelievable creature. See, I know her in the old country. And so, hello, darling. How are you? As Jaja saved that for them suckers. For every hairy leg you broke, I broke a hundred. <laughs> I said, you took the Bobby Doll King, and he had a mansion in Belair, and you had one, now you got two, and he's sleeping in the park. <laughs> I said, you was heard I was totally rich, you're trying to nail me. She says, no, darling, I like you. And then her daughter was there. And both of them was having wrestling matches. Who's going to get me? Two one. I took both of them. I locked, <laughs> I locked it up. No use getting them mad at each other. They ain't going to be mad at me. Good for me. 
December the 24th, 1923, I went down on the Hansa in the Atlantic Ocean. We hit an iceberg. See, in them days, they didn't have this radar or nothing. And when the guy hollered iceberg ahead, we hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, you know, underneath, it's like 10, 15, 20 miles, a bug, you know, see? See, and bloom, and he sees the, the, the tip of the iceberg 15, 20 miles away with his binoculars late at night, you know, see? So to make a long story short, the ship sank, you know. I took a nine-year-old kid out of the ocean. And so I went to uh, Hamburg is what it is. It's Hamburg here, but in German it's Hamburg. Went to Hamburg and the hotel burned down three o'clock in the morning. So then I went to Switzerland. I had to come back to Berlin to play a match. See, I had to play Montpellier in Paris and, uh, and uh, Eric Hagenlacher. He was a champion of so then I went to Switzerland and I went to the Barrahoff Inn in Sur, very small town. And there was the Kaiser in the lane. Now I knew Hitler, I see Hitler in the olden days, you know. Hitler. Hitler never was there, he might not be dead today. See, Hitler left and went right to Antarctica and that's giant. And then they all wound up in South America, every one of them. All them guys you hear about, that you read about, the one that they finally grabbed, Eichmann and all of them, you know. All wound up with, what's his name, run the country, Perone. And the Falcon Islands is where you come in. You understand, that's where they had that trouble. I went down on a ship there. Between the Falcon Islands and the Antarctic Circle, I went down playing a Russian sea captain, Russian pinochle, for three years he ain't went a hand yet. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship is sinking for like 40 hours, and I'm riffling the cards. Yeah, and I know it's going any time at all. I don't care. I can swim, you know, I can get out. I'll get out. I don't know if I'm getting out with the loot, though. 